Rule number one in multiversal travel, you don't know anything. So what's rule number two? America? America! Rule number two, fine food. Preferably pizza. Pizza balls! How did you pay for that? It was free. Food's free in most universes, actually. It's weird you guys have to pay for it. Hey! You didn't pay for that! Crap. Maybe it's not free here. Pizza Papa always gets paid. All right, Pizza Papa. Relax. She's just a kid. Relax yourself there, Dr. Strange. Where'd you get this cape from, anyway? Ah, it feels authentic. It's not a cape. It's a cloak. And I suggest you let go. You took this whole suit from the Strange Museum, didn't you? Strange Museum? You're a taker. Why don't you take some of this mustard, huh? Come on, it's not permanent. But it will stop in a few minutes. About three weeks. That works. I'm okay, by the way. I did slap myself. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got shit on me. I am I'm so much crazier. I am the one who knocks. Go ahead. Make my day. Best day we And welcome back to Facing Off. Happy New Year to our faithful listeners. This is our first episode of 2023, and we are so excited to bring you so many fun movie combos this year. I am one of your co-hosts, Layla, and I am joined by two of my favorite humans in the multiverse, my co-hosts, Nick and Gabe. Woo! Welcome, boys. I'm I'm played by John Krasinski. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are also joined by a guest and a friend of the pod tonight. Kellen, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much Uh, for having me. Do you want to introduce your friend? What up, Kellen? (laughs) Um, This is Kellen Lowe, also known as John Kellen. Also played by John Krasinski. Played by John Krasinski, but in a different... Uh, d- a different take completely. Yeah, um, different hair. Yeah, totally different hair. Kellen is a huge cinephile. He works in the entertainment industry. Woo. And he is ready to take us to many different multiverses. What's up, Love Kellen? It. Y'all, I'm so happy to be here with my favorite podcasters. We got Layla, the queen of qualms. We got Nick, the man with the ham fist. And we got Gabe. So happy to be with you guys. Thanks for having Love me. Love it. We're so happy to have you. Um, I will obviously... Reading off of a teleprompter. Oh my God, <laughs> um, I will obviously be moderating this episode for you all. We are so excited to be doing Everything Everywhere All at Once versus Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, both of our movies this week are wild rides that follow our protagonists as they battle evil, discover a lot about themselves, and travel through the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. Um, Since we are kicking off a new year, a reminder that we compare both our movies through our fabulous categories with a rating scale of one to seven. Are you boys ready to jump in? To yeah, this really I guess fun we should episode. say from the start, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen either of these. Um, <laughs> yes, as always. I imagine that you alert. have. They're, they're two of the more popular movies from last year. Um, and if you haven't, shame on you. Get yeah. yeah, just, just watch them. <laughs> I, actually, I, I, I actually haven't seen them yet, so... 
<laughs> oh, well, we'll describe it to you as the podcast. Well, yeah, part yeah. of the podcast is we watch it yeah. as we are talking. So, And I'm going to have some opinions on that. I think I can rate my opinions on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let Always us know how our right. eye candy is when we explain it. Yeah. Um, yes, to answer your, your question, Layla, we are ready. Fabulous. All right. Well, I'm going to kick us off by starting with originality this evening. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and start with everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, Gabriel, why don't you kick us off? Guys, this movie uh, has the creativity of a speck of dust. Um, no. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Hmm. It's almost impossible to talk about it because it, it, in originality because this movie so clearly needs to be made. It's so absolutely unique. Uh, and it's one of those ones that's just going to last like a lifetime in our minds. Um, and there's going to be a lot of like copies of this movie, um, but no one is going to nail what they did. Um, even where I may have like issues, like so this is the third time that I watched it. And even where I might have like a, I'm, I'm trying to understand why it wouldn't be like Oscar best picture winner and like try to put on my like critical hat and say, oh, you know, like this movie is lacking in this area or that area. Like just looking at like the storyline and like dialogue, if that's, you know, what anyone has criticism for this way around. Like when I when I watched it, I everything was so I'm going to use this often, but so intentional and so well thought. Um, I, I ended up learning new things about the characters this time just by paying attention to little moments of dialogue. I think the story is so well balanced uh, and never really strays too far from what they're intending to do. Um, I love the... In terms of like what makes it creative, even though it is derivative in a certain way of other things, is that they take all of these movie references and the things that, by they I mean the Daniels, the directors and writers of this, um, they take all these films that they love and that they want to see more of and they want to show appreciation for, and they reference them in very clever and creative ways. Um, and it's not just recreating something from before. Um, it's a bit of what Quentin Tarantino does with his movies, but I felt that there was more of like a wink at the audience with this. So whether that be, you know, the Wong Kar Wai scenes um, when they're in like the, when she's a movie star and you could see the people, you know, passing by quickly. Um, everything about the matrix they clearly fucking love the matrix because the fights the like her running through the cubicles the lines that they use are so matrix um uh the sherlock jr projectionist scene from um uh that buster keaton did where he's like going between different like backgrounds and stuff 2001 a space odyssey all of it i even love that there's like references to both Michelle Yeoh's career and um, Ki Kwan's uh, career and, and um, uh, James Hong's career. Um, and I, I just, it, like, every, every ounce of this movie oozes with creativity. Um, and, and every tiny moment or, like, montage is more creative than any, like, 50 minutes of Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness. Like, 
There is so much creativity in just a, a, a scene where the daughter is showing her that she can exist everywhere and what they do in terms of the splicing of the scene and, and what kind of costume she's wearing than the one sequence we get in Doctor Strange that is like trying to attempt to do that. So there's just so much. And I love all the little things they sneak into this movie. It, it's a seven. I, I think this was one of the most um, well-conceived and well-produced films. And it was great. Right. Love it. Kellen? Yeah, I mean, I think such a huge part of why this has become like massively popular is that it's, uh, I don't know that I'd call it mainstream, but it's definitely like a pop film that is like intensely original and has no interest in establishing itself as like some IP property where it's like, well, yeah. maybe this original concept can get some legs totally. and we can kind of milk this for a long, long, long time. Um, which I don't know. It's yeah. It kind of feels like there's like there's not some subtle manipulation going on when you're watching it. That you're strictly just enjoying a singular narrative. That, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm all I'm all game for a film that's like a pop film that's at its core is trying to. It's using these sort of complex, fun, goofy, silly methods to communicate how precious life is, and how important presentness is with one another it's it's isn't it so wild that like, how like radical a philosophy like uh unbridled kindness is and a movie that's like using all this filmic language that gabe is talking about and sort of maybe familiar pop things uh to communicate that excellent seven yeah i mean there's there's plenty of things about it that i think that i don't really enjoy filmically or even maybe philosophically but um, such as yeah what do we not enjoy just I, I don't want to I want I don't want to ignore any of those points right I think maybe that's a spectacularity that I have things that kind of hung okay. me up okay. on but I I can we'll briefly say that this the sense of humor and sort of the some of the philosophical implications or I mean I think that the sort of unbridled kindness or unconditional kindness is a really kind of powerful concept, but the lengths to which they stretch it and how it might sort of cure some of the ails in their lives, I think is maybe a little far-fetched that a little distracting, but certainly not unoriginal. Interesting. All right. Love it. Did you, so did you give it a seven? <clears throat> I, I gave that baby a seven. I can't not. Okay. Fabulous. Nicholas. Let the record show that he said that kindness is a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he's bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they Kelly. say about me. Yeah. The industry knows bad, me. Like the Michael, like the Michael Jackson song. Um. um mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I will only add that they are also creative in that they are, they find a lot of ways to, let's say, tell. They they find a lot of really creative ways to get across some of the points that are the two people that have already spoken have have already have talked about things like whoa talking things like using the language that the characters are speaking to convey the divide between their generations things like um you know using kind of creative but simple ways to make scenes more comical like the rock scene being subtitled those are things that are um, just little like minutia that I'll add. I mean, it's a seven. I agree with everything you guys also said. 
Can I add something, Layla? Yeah. Um, yeah, you want to you want to tug your microphone down like I did really yeah. quick first? Okay. Uh, can I add a big banging noise uh, for the audience's ears? Um, no, I. One thing I I, I really appreciate about this is that there's such a deep understanding of what makes science fiction um, so powerful, where you can insert yeah. ideas and uh, or relatable ideas and relatable feelings into something wacky and out of our world and if you did pull out all of the multiverse stuff in this it's all i mean even the multiverse aspects of it there's a way of viewing the movie as if none of that is actually happening but here's like what this issue uh how this issue is presented in our main character evelyn and the characters around Mm -hmm. her like there's a there's a way of of taking all that out and you still get the story and i love being able to shoehorn that in even though i i agree with kellen that you know at times uh i don't necessarily agree 100 percent with the sentiment it's it's their usage uh of that i mean they could have been telling me something that was so problematic uh, and they could have just, you know, uh, inserted that and I would have happily taken it in because yeah. of what I was seeing. I mean, the metaphor it. is so just like splendidly heavy handed, yeah. like so intentionally heavy handed that it, it just really, really works. Yeah. It's almost kind of disarming a little bit, especially when they're yeah, the sort of exactly. like the comedy of it disarms you enough to be willing to kind of suspend enough of your disbelief to kind of yeah. accept these science fiction elements which i don't know that folks have a hard time doing that considering how massive the mcu is but i think that you're willing to go along and maybe kind of a a stranger narrative because you're sort of having a good time yeah Yeah, absolutely um i actually i know i'm moderating but i feel like i have to acknowledge this in originality with this movie particularly um even just like as a woman and also as a daughter of immigrants, I feel like it's important to acknowledge as Michelle has multiple times throughout like this award season and stuff that it is a really big deal that they made a movie about an immigrant mother who's aging and also about a relationship between this daughter and her father and taking care of her father and how often in Eastern cultures, that's a big part of Mm -hmm. that relationship. And there's just a lot of cultural elements to this film that like I particularly connected so deeply with. And I think it's really special that the Daniels like, decided to make that their protagonist and make that such a big part of what could have just been a really fun movie, but they added that element to it. So just want to acknowledge that. Um, But fabulous points, guys. Let's move on to Doctor Strange. Kellen, do you want to kick us off? I'd love to. Uh, (laughs) I have no conception of how to engage with Marvel films anymore. I, it's, (laughs) originality I can't even conceive of. Like, they all are just in service to like one another and i and it's and it's so difficult to tell how original or how unique a film is being this film obviously has unique filmic elements to it because sam raimi's directing it and so maybe parts of the back half we get to enjoy some of those but the rest of it really just ends up being like a vehicle for me at least of like okay interesting i'm gonna go home now and watch my youtube videos and i'm gonna listen to someone explain to me how these tie into the comic books and then i'm gonna think about that so when i see the next marvel film i'm gonna know about mephisto maybe and i don't i don't know it's difficult to tell i mean it's uh i read comic books and the doctor strange comic books are like some of the best there are and what's so great about them is that they're really slow dare I say a bit poetic they kind of take their time and they're not communicating super directly 
unlike this film where you get just troughs of exposition that are meant to just be like, this information is going to be useful eventually also. Uh, so originality, <laughs> tough to say. I'm going to hit it with a, with a two, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Kicking it off strong. I love it. Uh, Nick. Yeah. I mean, like, what, like, what, what is, what is original about it? Like, there's doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, there's, there's just nothing. Like, like, yeah, I feel like maybe they, the, like, like Kellen said, the, this, the, the, the Raimi-ish yeah. things in it's it. Like it's not like it's a horror movie, guys. Like, original that's, that's, parts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is, but that it's also fun like... fun and shocking. <laughs> it's also like bubblegum horror. Like, it's yeah. not really that scary. Fine. The one-eyed monster at the beginning looks ridiculous. It's not... It's just not like... It, it, it is an idea that could have been really cool and original, and I just can't help but think about Kellen's statement about not... E- everything everywhere all at once not wanting to create this like long string of ip and how this movie's introduction to for the audience sort of kind of introduction into the mcu's multiverse is so transparently a way to just be like you guys talked about john krasinski on twitter here he is, and he's playing exactly who you thought he would, but only for this one. And guess how many times we can do that? As many as we want, because there's infinite fucking universes out there. So we could have fucking Paul Giamatti play play him next time, and you're all going to be like, ooh. And they just, I just can't get past that part of this movie. I want a Paul Giamatti and Jessica Alba couple. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I can't get past it. And and like I feel like maybe they thought like putting America Chavez in is is creative uh and, and original because she's a newer uh you know Marvel character but I mean she punches star-shaped holes in the multiverse in the most like <laughs> absurd like simplistic way possible and it just doesn't it doesn't work, and maybe the movie had some some juice there that could have been original, some some OJ, if you will, uh, but it's just not there. I just Gabriel, so I'm going to give it a two. What well. do you think, sir? So not a one. But. I want to go into like the the root of what this podcast is, where it was like take a yeah like the original concept of this. The contrast was, like, is pretty pretty take good. Start two with similar things. Yeah, exactly. Take two similar things. Find something uh, about it and show how they could have done it right and how they could have done it wrong and, and like, or or how they could have done it better. And I think everything in the multiverse of madness is done so much better in everything, everywhere, all at once that I can only compare it to that, uh, especially for the purposes of this. And I and it's like. You have eight times the budget of everything, everywhere, all at once, and you hardly even... And your movie is called Multiverse of Madness, and you hardly even touch on multiverses. Like, just so slightly. Yeah, you literally go to one universe, and they're like, check out how cool it is to have different people play the things you like. Exactly. And, and that's it. Or, or, and then we'll just turn them into silly But strings. barely. Or, or, you know, the extent of it is uh, we're going to go through for about 10 seconds, we're going to pass through a bunch of universes and there's like a colorful one and stuff. 
and we're never going to be stuck in those. <laughs> we're only in three different multi, it, it, three different universes as this goes on, and you can't spend time thinking about it. You can't spend time thinking about why that multiverse exists. Like you've actually lost the concept of what a multiverse is, where it's a decision that went a different way or whatever. Like, it, and. I mean, we get a little bit a bit of that with Loki to like understand how how time works and how variants work, but we we just don't touch on that in this. And like, I, the extent of them being clever and creative is like Doctor Strange fighting Doctor Strange with musical notes. Like, stop lights are red. Are you you go on red but not on green? It's like there's not gags. It's gags. Yeah, exactly. It's not a lot of thought and i i mean there are, are there are moments i want to highlight it, like Raimi for sure has this horror style that comes in in certain sequences like the the mirror uh when she, when she's in the mirror dimension but it's about ref- she figures out that it's like reflections and stuff yeah. and she's poking i think that stuff or, is cool i like that oh definitely but like for every cool moment i feel there's really like there's a moment. series of or, or for every clever thing that he brings to it, there's a series of formulaic things that bring that down. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about those in other categories. But, like, even, for instance, like, Layla, uh, Layla, you and I talked about this a bit. But, like, one of the big driving, you know, hooks to get into this movie is Wanda's storyline and her arc, you know, quote, unquote. My love. Um I have so many issues with like her purpose in the movie yeah. and and what the so arc misused. actually is and and how it resolves and you know like I I just there's no there's no thought put into this movie which is so insane to say about some like a a, a multi you know million dollar for or billion dollar franchise but I don't know I'm uh I just feel like every emotional moment is is ruined as well. Like, there's like a there could be a really good moment where she finally gets to see her kids again. But of course, we have the same fucking kids from WandaVision, and they start singing the ice cream song, which I don't know how anyone allowed that through the you know through the first take of it, or just even going over the screenplay because it is it is painfully one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in any movie. Um, in any multiverse that I've existed in. Um, and it just Even ruins. It's like Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a two, but I, I'm like pretty close to a one because of how much ruined potential, but I, I do. Yes. Lots of that. I like how Sam explores some things and takes deaths, I guess, to a, darker level although one person turns into like spaghetti like i'll give it a two it's slightly above the worst i would also be remiss if we didn't acknowledge just how like unbelievably poorly they wrote the rachel mcadams strange like love story like we talked about this a lot in the marvel episode that we the phase four episode that we recently did but this movie is like the epitome of marvel just being entirely conflicted half of the movie is just like so trying to be Marvel from the past that and it's not working. And then 
there's Sam. Like, it just doesn't make any sense like, at I all. I mean, if there's no, with that, with those kind of characters that you're putting in this, if there's no emotional pull to this movie, oh, God. then where the fuck is the creativity? Is it just the visual stuff that Raimi brings? We've seen that. Raimi's made a yeah. lot of movies. You could go and watch those movies. <laughs> like, yeah. This isn't the only time we've seen him. <laughs> fuck, I'm um, so close to a one. We gotta move on. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. Uh, so let's uh, move on now from originality to... Let's go to eye candy. Um, Ooh, and we'll stick with Doctor Strange since okay. we were just talking about it. Nicholas, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, you guys are going to talk about some cool filmy stuff. I wanted to point out that I am deeply bothered in most MCU movies by the lack of creativity in a lot of the costuming. I just want to point that out because I feel like I totally in agree. this movie especially... Half the time I was rewatching it, I kept turning to, to my wife Julie and was like, "Why is why is he why does he wear that? What is the utility of him wearing that? Is there some sort of like when he was the the sorcerer supreme? Where they're like, and you you have to wear these robes? I know, like it's like a forever type of thing. You know how like when you're in the military, sometimes you got when you dress formally, you got to put the uniform on. It's like that, but except for you just have to wear like stupid robes that we bought in like a costume shop for like a Broadway production of Aladdin. Yeah, or why can't he wear that like, dope ass tuxedo he puts on? Why why anything? And then like America Chavez is like so bizarrely dressed to me and like I just don't Oh, you just hate the flag on her. Um, I just don't. It's just so corny. It's all like so painfully. It just doesn't even corny. look well made. Like it just doesn't. Yes, and like that, the, and that, and that, and that. Like why? Why does it look like we went to like uh, like a high end like like junior Spirit. college production of Aladdin? Like they just had like a big. <laughs> they just had like a big budget, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, slap the genie costume on." <laughs> On Benedict, real quick, and we'll just kind of add some not so blue highlights, and then and then obviously slap the cloak on his back, um, and then at one point we're gonna punch a hole through that sucker, and then we're just gonna patch it up with some blue, and he's gonna make a joke about it for no reason. We'll patch that up, and then next scene it's patched up, means nothing except for in the next movie, Doctor Strange's cloak's gonna have a hole in it, patched up with some weird blue stuff. Merchandise. Merchandise. It just it just kills me that the only movies that we get decent costumes in are the Black Panther ones. True. Everyone they else hire is someone that is good. At yeah, because they're just like they're like yeah, that's an important part of this, and I just it just kills me every time. <laughs> I love like, how we know that Gabe is going to rant about the technicality and Nick's, like, costumes. Dude, I don't know why. It doesn't bother me that much in other things. But this time, like, I was like, Fair this enough, movie man. is really, like, that is a real big problem here for me. And I don't know why. It just seems so lazy. So what does it get for the costumes? <laughs> for the costume, for the eye candy. So the, there's lots of other stuff that I do enjoy about the movie the mirror dimension thing is pretty cool looking um but you know there's just like i get like scarlet witch is walking around in like a t-shirt and and no shoes most of the time and it just doesn't work i, I guess maybe they're trying to look like make her look like a horror movie witch but but she doesn't even have blood on her like the grudge scene, sort of but like make her look it. freaky make her feet bleed or something but 
I got. Well, they. I no, just they got, have. They have like the scene where she comes in and she has what I thought when I remembered it is blood smeared across her face before she kills the Illuminati. I think it's um, but it's actually the Avenger or sorry, Vol, uh, it's the Ultron like oil, oil. Yeah, and, it's like lubricant. And then I'm like, oh, okay. You didn't even douse her. It's in mechanical blood. lubricant. I'm giving it a three. Okay. Fabulous. All right, Gabriel, let's get into the technical. Go all the way. I mean, I I actually, like, uh, I'm waiting on Kellen for some of the technical Ooh. stuff because he, okay. uh, you know, I, I'm sure he has That's a better base of, of Raimi stuff. But I, I do think, you know, like, if I were to talk about anything that Raimi brings to this that I enjoy is I, I really like the transitions he uses between scenes. I think yes. that there's a lot of yeah. clever horror motifs with that and, like, um little moments where he's playing around with what Scott Derrickson does in the first one, where it's like kind of like kaleidoscopic uh, ways of doing it. Um, but mixed with the Raimi, you know, diagonal horror elements, but then, you know, going from scene to scene, it's smooth. Although the scene where they're meeting with Mordo is like the one exception because the editing is really wonky and it's going back and forth and it's going like diagonal and it's obnoxious. And then there's this weird, like eighties, noir score or i guess night before or like no no something? sorry not noir 80s like crime movie so like really shitty version very shitty takes on uh mm. the noir score um, i think i noticed that too and the but it's like it's something about the editing really bothered me with that um i actually it it's interesting though because you bring in sam raimi who's this like icon in the horror genre um, and for good reason. There's a lot of like early Raimi stuff that I really enjoy, and I love what he did with the first two Spider-Man movies. But um, I think the the problem is that this movie like ultimately is a fuck ton of CGI, in which no director would be able to really put a stamp on uh, on it visually. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, and the CGI looks bad a lot of times. And dude, the mon- the like. I mean, opening it up with that, that, uh, like a collapsed multiverse type thing looks, it looks horrible. They're running along that path. It looks so stupid. It looks like it's straight out of like a Super Mario Brothers animation. Um, It's like Rainbow Road or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say the, the creativity in terms of like CGI, I guess, um, comes in how Doctor Strange and the other sorcerers use their powers. But I started thinking about it and I'm like, I don't fully understand his powers, like the orange beams that they use. Like, because at a certain point, you're just Green Lantern. You're just creating different shapes and shit in, in the air and that are like hard, I guess. I don't. No, I'm gonna give it like have a mass. <laughs> How else would they cause damage, Layla? Yeah, Layla. Um, I don't know, I, Kellen. I want to hear what you gotta say if you got anything. Yeah, if you got anything. I mean, I think it speaks to how a film looks that like uh, uh, Ramy was doing an interview with Rolling Stone before the film came out, and you could you could read in between the lines that he was already trying to like get ahead of the critiques of it because he was saying stuff like. Yeah, you know, I had to settle a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, we kept choosing sort of more mediocre scenes, and that's sort of like the issue. That's that's like what that's wow. what that's what both that's Leila and Gabe, like tying back to what Leila and Gabe were saying uh, about the originality is like you bring on a director ideally to have some impressionable stamp on it, like Taika had, but then you like 
cut them off by the knees and you like don't actually yeah. give them the opportunity to do what they do. So when I heard that this was going to be more horror focused, I was like, yeah, that's exciting. Maybe that'll make the movie not suck or be horrible. It'll give me something to look to look forward to. But then you 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 don't really get that. You get like a neutered Sam Raimi. It's like he I don't know, my my sort of impression of him has less to do with his his visuals, I think, when I think of him, I think of him like his directorial stamp as being, um, has, has more to do with tone or narrative, but yeah. he definitely has these visual sort of uh, iconic types of shots, these sort of POV cameras that kind of mimic sort yeah. of like a monster's POV or these shaky cams, or these close-up sort of wide angles that are disorienting. And we just kind of sort of get those. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, 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 it makes me, at, at first I thought when I was looking at some of the stills today for the movie, I was like, man, these are probably some of the more beautiful shots or haunting shots from the MCU, especially the sort of latter half kind of gothic stuff in the world that is, um, what's it, what's it called? What? Incursion? The Incursion. Oh, yeah. When they're in the incursion world, a lot of that imagery is pretty interesting. And it's like, okay, cool. Sam Raimi got to make some cool gothic looking stuff. But then you get a musical note fight. I don't I don't know. It's <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, you didn't think that was visually creative, uh, creative and like making a really bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that it makes me like a movie less when it's like it had so much more potential. But that potential was squandered because these movies as they consistently do uh, pander to like the lowest common denominator. It's like you make a film kind of spooky, but not too spooky because you still want kids to be able to come to it. And not that like what would have saved this is if Sam Raimi made some like slasher film, but the first, to be fair, I felt like when like Wanda like kills all of the fantastic four people like, or like not all the fantastic four people, but like all the people on that panel, I like looked around the theater cause I was worried about the kids. I did feel like yeah. a lot of the, oh, yeah. like that stuff is like gory and creepy. <laughs> like, and the way that they portray Wanda during that whole sequence is like really scary to me. Like I was freaked out watching her during that sequence, but that felt like the only bit of Sam that I was like, I wish the whole movie had been that creepy. And like, right. I think that probably amounts to like ten minutes of like an over it's, two yeah, hour runtime. Totally. So yeah, yeah. And yeah. the whole the whole first Sorry to half. Sorry interrupt is, you, but yeah. No, I mean the whole first half just looks like it's directed by a completely different person. And whoever that person is, it's like mm-hmm. Kevin Feige. It's like it's just <laughs> it just looks like the same like Marvel color palette that they just paste over stuff. And honestly, this movie, I know that the production of it was crazy with Scott Derrickson leaving, but straight up. Didn't even look like they finished VFX on some shots. Like this movie no, was, was was rushed, and it's like I think that that's the pressure of sort of Disney trying to be like a streaming competitor. It's like all of a sudden Marvel's pushing out shows or pushing out tons of movies, and you know, in in, uh, in their phases instead of a like six movies in a phase. So I don't know. I think it's rushing productions, and I think that their impression is that the saving grace is oh, we'll get someone like a. Taika Waititi or Sam Raimi and it's going to add some sort of visual or tonal interest but then they just it's like void of that except for maybe yeah like a scene or two the scene where Wanda's like stalking them like Jack Torrance through that tunnel 
That's probably the yeah, best scene in the, the movie. That's the one I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. yeah. so good. <laughs> and, I, and what's interesting to me, too, is that Scott Derrickson is like a horror director as well. And like yeah. his are kind of like more where Sam Raimi's are fun and campy and creative in those ways. Like Scott Derrickson's ones, I don't like them that much, but they are very, they have a very eerie feeling. They're very like devoid of happiness. And I, I know, you know, like he did the first Doctor Strange and, you know, as big of a name as Sam Raimi is, like, honestly, some of the, like, kaleidoscopic stuff in the first one was way cooler than it was in this one. And yeah. I don't know. I think okay, I'm going to so go with a one. Sorry. You're going with one. Kellen, did you give a score? Uh, my only note that I wrote down was looks like shit. So I'm, I'm going to give it a one. It's <laughs> a good way to go off of it. Uh, Kellen, why don't you lead us into everything, everywhere, all at once? Yeah. I mean, it... It almost feels like it almost feels like a cheat code to like have your film full of like homages to like some of the most like beautiful film like Hollywood yeah. uh, Bollywood musicals Hollywood musicals having that Wong Kar Wai scene, um, and especially considering like the towering budget that something like the Multiverse of Madness has that the special effects team for everything everywhere all at once was five people. And it's like one of the and most like never done it before. Yeah, and it's like one of the most like visually impressive films. The editing of it is nuts, and how inventive they were. Like the the scenes when she's getting sort of pulled back or pulled forward through. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just Daniel Kwan. The background is Daniel Kwan walking through New York with a four K camera, just like with the slowed shutter speed. And it, and they just it, and they just use that footage kind of quickly, and they edit it in ways that are so inventive and fun that. And with a budget that's. Fourteen and a half million is just absolutely bonkers. It um, it's even when it's really like visually complicated and it's maybe a little bit nauseating. It it ties into the sort of larger metaphor of like the multiverse acting as like it's in some ways the internet this kind of or also sort of interpersonal communication this kind of overwhelming sensation that is difficult to kind of make heads or tails of and. I don't know. My 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 impression or my kind of philosophy or feeling about cinematography is above all else the only thing that it should service is like the story in the film. If it's anything else it's kind of like masturbatory. And I think Gabe and I've talked about that before where <laughs> with Corpus Christi a film that he loves where it's if a film looks absolutely beautiful or has some sort of like strange cinematic concepts if it's if it's like betraying the story or is somehow not in line with the mm. the movie then it, i it kind of doesn't matter how good it looks it's in this film every every bit of it Wait. feels like it's 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 in service Did you not like corpus christi i thought you loved it no i loved it but i didn't like the way it looked i thought the way it looked mm. was so distracting because it was such a grounded Fair. story but the visuals were like it was like someone was like making like a like a video reel for the like so they could like show how good of a <laughs> yeah, cinematographer they that. were, which is yeah, I don't know, it's distracting. But in this movie, <laughs> even when it's like this wild maximalist odyssey, like when it's distracting, I think that it's it's an intentional type. So the visuals in here, all the way through, are so intentionally tied to the story, and that's like above all else, what I think is important about cinematography i'm I'm still gonna give it a six though because i just think that taste-wise some of the visuals i just do not like like for like the everything bagel which i also just don't like for so many reasons i hate the way it looks like in real life 
in in real life i hate everything bagels um no i i i hate i i think it looks like shit i also think it's weird and like uh film about chinese immigrants that you use like an east coast jewish food item to represent like all the things that she is putting all of her sort of traumas disappointments her nihilism on i don't know it's as 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 a visual image i hate it i don't think the special sure effects chelsea handler made that joke in her opening monologue for the critics choice awards did she yeah that. i'm pretty sure someone in one of the opening monologues of one of the awards shows someone called that out too yeah i like to think of myself as the male chelsea handler <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. I think, yeah. Six. <laughs> Let's let that one simmer for a Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. That means that's a good sound bite for the internet. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, Gabe, do you want to go? Sure. Um, everything that Kellen said is wrong and he's stupid and I hate him. Just kidding. Um, I, I totally, I, it's so, I, I have to keep going back to this point that uh, Kellen brought up about intention and because the, the Daniels are so clearly students of, of film to the point where they know that every single thing that they put in a shot has to have intention. It's like they understand narrative principles like Chekhov's gun, and they'll do that like a billion times with any object. There's, there's not a single thing. I mean, they're, they're, their concept of mise-en-scene, like they're like – Every single thing that you could see in a shot is important. You know, where we give a lot of credit to Wes Anderson for his precision uh, and in the frame, these guys were willing to put as many objects in there without fear of, oh, fuck, we forgot about that thing in the background. Like every, every, they were willing to create their own, like everything bagel for every single shot because they knew they could use it. There could, it could even be with like, the extras or the smaller actors that are in the movie. Like you'll see them multiple times throughout if you look in different parts. And part of that is like the wonder of seeing a movie for the first time is always, you know, it, it, it can, it's usually, you know, higher than it can be on uh, recurring watches. But I, this movie, there's, there's too much in it visually at, at the very least that you could you could gather in your brain the first watch that would make it so you didn't have to rewatch it, and I I feel like I can rewatch this movie a hundred times and notice something different. Um, I love 
I mean, it, this movie, it's so interesting because it's like, these are clearly film students who have moved on to like make these like creative projects, but it's also, I, I mean, I would imagine if I were going to film school, I would rather watch this than learn about the history of where film came from. I, I'm a little different with this, but like, I don't really want to see breathless, um, you know, just to see like how we made French, uh, what was it called? Uh, new wave, French wave. Yeah. New wave music, uh, movies. When I can watch this and I can figure out every little film concept that you are, are taught about in film history, they utilize perfectly in this with, with minor flaws, if any, but at the same time, it's also like, you don't need to make all these movies. I, I know that they use older movies and stuff that they were inspired by, but you don't need to do what everyone else has done. You don't. Just be fucking weird. You could use all the tools that we teach you from all these movies, and you make something creative that no one else can. And that comes out completely in the movies. Editing and cinematography and choreography and... And uh, so product or uh, what, production sure. design. <laughs> I, it's uh, it's a seven, and I, <laughs> I I I say this a couple times, you know, when there's like a Roger Deakins movie. But I honestly like this is the seven of all sevens for me visually because this movie is literally nothing without it. All right, Nicholas. I, I want to highlight the contrast between the mega budget of MCU movies and what the pitfalls of having that much money to spend can can be as opposed to i'm a, i'm a firm believer in all things creative of allowing yourself certain parameters first and then working creatively within you you always have to do that in everything right and i think i just firmly believe that that is that is a there's something magical to that that strategy, I guess, that structure to to only have fourteen whatever million dollars and, and only to only have that much money. And then be able to work only within that bubble, you I, I think ten out of ten times are going to produce something more creative because you are limited and within those limits um, you know, you're, you, you have to be creative to, to, um, to, to showcase what it is that you want to showcase. And I don't know of a better example of that than, than this movie visually to, to be pigeonholed by that budget and, and, and know that you want to tell this story and have this multiversal sci-fi romp this is the best possible product you come up with from that. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, nine out of 10 times, this is the best thing that you, you can come up with. And this movie, I think exemplifies that. I really, really love that, that concept because I, I think it, I think it's true. And I, I think that the, this is, that's how you maximize your creativity. And this movie maximizes it. Cre it's creativity visually. There's so things that I seven. don't. <laughs> um, there are things that I like, don't a hundred percent like 
love about it that are like sort of distracting. Um, like when she pops everyone into and turns them into like confetti, Jobu, Tapaki. I don't like love that scene. There are some things that just kind of don't visually look like fantastic to me. And I think to the layman would be distracting or weird or um, uh, put, put them off. So I'll give it a six for that reason, for just considering the layman. But I, I would, I interesting would, choice. I'm love it. <laughs> All right, love it. Um, okay, it's time to move on. We're gonna now go to actoring, um, which I think with this category, it's always important to acknowledge that when we talk about actoring, we are also talking about the writing of the characters. Um, they both go hand in hand, and the directing as well. Uh, I, I saw that game <laughs> hinting over at Nick. So he hears sure me. <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> okay, Gabe. Why don't you kick us off with everything, everywhere, all at once? Um, you know, I, like first before going to these incredible actors that you know are, are uh, getting awarded right now, very deservingly. So um, I just I love how much thought went into the dialogue writing in this. Um, how important language is in this that Evelyn speaks Cantonese mm-hmm. to her father, but speaks Mandarin to her husband and, and a mix of Mandarin and English with her daughter predominantly. And her daughter speaks, you know, like bad Mandarin back to the, uh, or uh, bad Cantonese back to the grandpa. And so I purposeful. Just, yeah. There's, it's, it's so interesting to have, like language barriers be a stand in to this overall concept that we are like people that are going about our days without knowing what's really going on inside the other people and, and caring too much about our own decisions to understand how we're like impacting those around us and, and not appreciating that. And, um, I love that they do that. Obviously Michelle Yeoh is absolutely incredible in this. I can't, I, this movie was originally written for Jackie Chan and like we have to thank every type of <laughs> deity there is out there that that didn't happen because it's just like I love Jackie Chan movies but like are you fucking kidding me that Michelle Yeoh is so perfect in this and it it's awesome that they were in super cop together. So like, we're like, you're not missing out on anything by having Michelle Yeoh. But I'm just not even sure this movie hits the same way. If it's not a mother daughter, right. like, well, I guess the, it could still be a mother daughter, but the mother is like Jackie someone Chan. else. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and the daughter also Jackie yeah, Chan, like Mr. Mom, but Jackie Chan, uh, in this, um, that's huge. I just, that could be big. She has <laughs> good. Um, Compared to Kiwi Kwan, like she actually, for a lot of the movie, has a much more muted performance. And I think she's able to portray, I I think you get an emotional spectrum with both of them and that you need the combination of them, let alone, you know, everyone else that's around them. And I just think that she's so believable in when she's inspiring and then when she's depressed and... And when she's angry and and when she's confused, like everything is so real um, that it's easy to, you know, follow what she's doing. Kiwi Kwan, I mean, like the best comeback story. I mean, like I'm pumped for Brendan Fraser this year, but like Kiwi Kwan, like 
not only does he come into this movie after you know 20 plus years of of not working as an actor but to still keep his like stunt coordination stuff that he you know worked on during that absence um and to work on something to for him to go to film school instead and then to work on something that's like in, made by you know students of film um is really cool i think he's so fucking funny and he can go back and forth between emotions in a split second to yeah. a point where he like like i think of the scene where he's talking to her about something uh serious when they're with the bagel thing and then just out of nowhere just goes shut it down shut it down and then goes back into the scene like i i mean he is i i I love Michelle Yeoh in this, and I think that Kate Blanchett in Tar is like, you know, I, I you can't find a better performance for me this year. But Kiwi Kwan is like the home run uh, best supporting actor, and, and what an incredible story. Um, I just lastly want to say, um, well, well, actually, two things. One, did you know that Randy Newman is the voice of Raccoon Cootie? <laughs> <laughs> Famed composer Randy Newman is that voice, and he's uncredited. But also, I, I'm like, like I, I'm, I'm trying to detach myself from awards this year, and and clearly I keep bringing them up in conversation, but they are relevant. But if I see Jamie Lee Curtis nominated for Best Supporting Actress over Stephanie Sue, I'm going to sue the Academy um, because. <laughs> I mean, like, there are moments where I think Stephanie Sue is, like, at a level above everyone in the movie. Uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis, I, I um, admire her. I appreciate what she did to this movie. This movie would not be popular. It wouldn't be, you know, a, a draw for a lot of different crowds without her. But, like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> like, she's not putting anything, like, absolutely spectacular in it. She's just, she fits the role very well. And she's having fun. But Stephanie Sue is just so um, incredible in this. Uh, so I, I'm going to give it, um, I think it's six. I think it's okay. well above average for me because I just, like, you can't replace these actors. And you can't underplay how important these directors, how much these directors and writers understood their, um, their characters. For sure. All right, Nick, what are, you, what are you giving it? I don't care what the layman thinks for this category. <laughs> You're saying layman a lot in this episode. Layman. Yeah. Well, because I know some laymen, women, and women <laughs> yeah. who don't really like this movie as much as everyone else I know um, does. And it's, I think it's for the eye candy stuff. I hope it is because I could see that. I can't see it for, for this category. I think that every performance this that's what what I focus on most when when I watch movies and I there is no there's no like down there's no down to me there's no thumbs down and this I get to 7 to me all the way across the board and is it Kiwi Kwan is that yeah. his last name his performance or it, it's like this like incredibly inspired like stage performance yeah. Almost like you know there's a script that he's reading. You know that shut it down, shut it down is in the script and all bold. And his like just the way that he's able to 
to to give this performance, not even considering the fact that he's not, you know, this like heavily worked actor is it just blew me away when I first watched the movie. And not that's not even to mention all of these other amazing performances, Stephanie Chu and uh, I mean it, it like I mean she's gonna she's poised now to be this like mega breakout star because this movie's gonna launch her to that and they gave her that that opportunity because she's fantastic and they 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 like maximize the potential of these these people in, in this this film I, it's a it's a seven there's no mm, i don't I have like a that. critique all right kellen wow i also have no down wow. i also have no 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 down no downs for it no downs <laughs> um i think sometimes really good acting can get boiled down to like like, I feel like my mom, when she'd be like, oh, I think you would like this performance. It's just somebody like screaming and being like, yeah. Yeah, intensity, exactly. like somehow intensity has gotten turned into like, that's a really strong performance. But I think what's so incredible about Michelle Yeoh and Kihi Kwan is I think maybe it's just fresh on my mind. And I don't have much more to add than to both of you just said, but this, I watched again that scene last night when they're first coming up in the IRS building and it's first communicated from Kihi to Michelle Yeoh that he's from a different multiverse and starts mm-hmm. kind of explaining some of the uh, catalyzing information and how Michelle Yeoh plays like the confusion of that moment is so nuanced it's and so subtle good. where it's like, I, I was trying to consider if I were in an elevator and the person next to me started trying to communicate this information that is not only beyond my comprehension, but it's like, I don't have time to comprehend it because I'm in an IRS building that I'm super nervous to be in. And <laughs> yeah. I'm with my dad who I'm nervous to be around who's disappointed in me. And she plays that scene so brilliantly because she's – she at first is like, I, I don't know what this joke is, but I don't, I don't have time time for this joke. And then when she slowly starts to kind of get into – I don't know. She – I love that scene. I think all the performances are great. I don't think there's really a bad one in the bunch. I think that – no, dumb, no down thumbs. No, no, no down downs. Um, <laughs> I think that because of their background and being music video directors, you mm. you sort of the film kind of looks like a bit like a music video, and some of the performances are sort of like over the top. But I think that maybe a little bit unlike Swiss Army Man, they've found a way to introduce some nuance to the characters that yeah. made them actually feel like real people, and maybe not. Uh, yeah just kind of like vehicles for jokes or narrative. Um, yeah, I give it a, I give it a six. No, I give it a seven. If I don't have any downs, I have to give it a seven. Yeah, you can't do that. You have no downs. Wow. Um, wow. Love that. Okay. Kellen, why don't you continue and talk about Dr. Strange? Dr. Strange. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite thing about Dr. Strange is Dr. Stephen Strange. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I can't, you know, it's like, I feel like when I would talk about Marvel movies, I would always give them like the added benefit of context and sort of in the universe that they exist in. And I could kind of judge it by that universe. But if I'm supposed to judge this movie compared to everything ever at all at once, um, every performance in this movie is bad performance. (laughs) I think that every movie, every performance in this movie is bad performance. Uh, even, even, and and even if the, if the performance isn't, even if the performance isn't like entirely awful, like I think Elizabeth Olsen is, I, I really like her as an actress and I think that I really like her as a Scarlet Witch, 
but the character has like no semblance of an arc in here and she's playing one tone the entire time and it's just kind of ramping up that one she's playing one beat there's kind of ramping up that beat the entire mm-hmm. time that mm-hmm. there's even if even if the performances were awful i mean which they are i don't know it's there's there's, there's like nothing to grab onto there's nothing in any of the performances where i'm like happy to go along with it and i also the think writing is a mess yeah the writing is awful and I think that the sort of like iron manification of Doctor Strange is like ruining him. How they're like, we need a new person who's like smart and quippy, who's gonna train some young person. It just it doesn't work. I don't. I think it's it's honestly affecting how I see Benedict Cumberbatch. When I watched Power of the Dog, I, I was like, <laughs> that's Doctor Strange, baby. I can't get into this. He's weird. <laughs> I don't, but it's also like his, like, fucking good in that. His American accent, too. It's like, it's not even like him doing an American accent. It's like him doing like a Chris Evans, like, impression. Mm. Uh, But no, I don't know. It's like, uh, I can't, I can't. It's not, not that. um, Yeah. I give it a one. I think it's all bad. I think it's written really poorly. I think it's, it's unfortunate. Wow. Following, uh, how great the Scarlet Witch's narrative was in WandaVision and mm. kind of just like crushing that a bit and sort of rehashing this overcoming of trauma that they took an entire show to like show her exploring like a life of nonstop trauma and her finding at least some sort of peace with it and then sort of boiling it down to like, well, she's been with this evil book for a while. It's like, I don't know that that, that, that justifies them turning her into this like cinematically stereotypical like crazed mom that is that mm. that has no deeper character beyond that it's yeah it's it it, it feels super lazy the writing yeah and i don't she's know she's not a monster steven yeah she's a mother it's awful yeah it's like it's <laughs> it's it's like super lazy writing and it's just like it's like resting it's on like worst, on like dude. it's, it's resting the on like third the third worst line in the movie yeah it's resting on like the worst tropes of like on like cinema and being like oh no a general audience will go along because we've convinced them long enough in movie history that just crazy moms are crazy moms and ladies be that way mommies be nutty (laughs) (laughs) i give it a one oh boy i would i i'm close to giving it a one just because of the line the alumawadi (laughs) yeah i mean which is the it's the worst line that I can think of off the top of my head in any mainstream. Like, are we supposed to believe? Like, this is not a funny campy in the movie Marvel universe. That is very much like our universe, and a lot of the same history has happened. Yeah, that the never, Illuminati was never a thing. They never thought like that's not like a conspiracy theory in in Earth six one six or whatever. They don't know. Like, what else sounds like Illuminati, Stephen? Aren't you a why- doctor? Why is Benedict Cumberbatch the one delivering that line? I, I don't know. If it was know. like America Chavez. It drives me nuts. Illuminati? The uh, no, it's not even that. He says the Illuminati. It drives me bonkers that this You movie... also just know that they thought that they did like something really funny there by saying that line, oh which is God, why I'm I so hope upset they by didn't it. <laughs> think that? It bothers me so deeply that one particular line, but also the line that I just quoted out of context. I'm not a monster, Stephen. I'm a mother. Is a bad line, 
and so are all of the other lines in the movie. It's almost a fucked up line. Like it's, it it's is. A really it's really up thing to say. And I feel like I feel like genuinely bad for Elizabeth Olsen, who I believe, and some if someone knows, please tell me if I'm wrong. I believe she filmed WandaVision and this like concurrently, mm. and so they didn't really like a hundred percent. She didn't get to live out. Her f- like fully fleshed her out truth. WandaVision, yeah, the truth of the Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. and then bridge it into this and bring that that information into this, and it's very much evident that e- either that happened or the studio was like, "You're but you're the monster though, so yeah. you should act like one." Can you do that? And she was like, "Sure." I, I also just think that like structurally. The way, not just like, like yes, we can critique all the Illumawadi lines in the movie because there's like a bunch of really stupid ones. But I just think that like structurally, like good chunks of the movie, there are full scenes that if you think even like half a second about them make absolutely no sense and are purely like either exposition dumps or just like, let's just switch this puppy into third gear real quick drive through that scene and then we can switch back slow down for a second because then we've reintroduced the scarlet witch the first time he goes and talks to scarlet witch that (laughs) scene makes no sense why did he go there why did he go there how did he not know that it was a creation that she's put together this like beautiful whatever the fuck snow white ass (laughs) looking place it's the garden of eden nick yeah, yeah. How did he not know that? He was the Sorcerer Supreme for, like, a couple years. He's got, like, stuff on his resume that should give him prerequisite information. Like, he has knowledge of magic. How does he not know? And then he's just, by the end of the scene, he's like, oh, shoot. You're the, you the monster, though? <laughs> oh, man, no. Oh, well, I sure have... Sorcerer Supreme egg on my face. Oopsies. Like, that scene makes no sense. It's, like, painful that there are full scenes that are just fully stupid. And and it's just the laziest, stupidest writing. Not just in terms of, like, minutiae, like, line stuff, but just full, like, scenes are just bad. And not even to say that the performances are also not very good. Sochi Gomez, like, bless her soul, not a good performance. Not a good, not a good actress. All right. Yeah. She's just not. Also worth mentioning <laughs> briefly that Elizabeth Olsen yeah. is also similar to Sam Raimi said in interviews that like being in this role has taken her away from doing the types of roles and acting in movies and TV shows that she'd like to be in, and that it's which is a bummer, intensely like, unsatisfying. It's it really like annoys me that it's marketed to us like like oh yeah like. Like, look how deep and, like, awesome this could be. And it is, like, like WandaVision is pretty deep and awesome at times. And then we don't get to see that performance fleshed out because something happens. The studio steps in. Like, who knows what happens behind the scenes? But then we get this, like, freaking husk of a movie that it just doesn't doesn't allow that character to breathe. It doesn't allow her to do something that she totally could do. There's a lot of depth to that character, cool stuff you could do, and it's just not done. Yeah, could literally talk about Wanda endlessly. Uh, what did you yeah. give it, Nick? I don't know. I find it hard to give ones on on our podcast, so I'm going to give it a two. Like, okay, I, I 
don't hate everything that all of the actors are doing. I hate right. everything that a couple <laughs> of them are doing. Huh. Just mostly downs, but not all down downs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabriel. Uh, I'll just go quickly because like they they nailed it with a lot of that. Especially like I really want to go back to the the quippiness that they've turned Strange's character into. It's just it's off putting and weird. Like Benedict Cumberbatch is not one of our like premier comedic actors, and yet they give him the stupidest <laughs> lines in this. And like, how do you? How can I under? How can I grasp? The, com- the concept of this hero who was a workaholic top surgeon uh, snobby asshole who loses his ability to do that but finds a way to become a sorcerer but then is the only one who knows what the fate of this universe will be and, and the only option to win it is you know like or to save the day is a lot of people disappearing and a lot of horrible things happening how do you take a character that serious and have him say all of the goofy lines in the movie? Like, like in certain scenes, he's stealing that from America Chavez. Like, I, I don't know what they intended with this, but and maybe it, maybe this is Sam Raimi coming in. I, I know Sam Raimi didn't write the script, but, you know, maybe there was like the campy level of, of stuff that he wanted to bring in. I'll, I'll never know, but... It's kind of weird because, like, not that he's not a good actor because I love him, but is Benedict Wong the best actor in this movie? Because he delivers delivers some of the most serious lines to Wanda, and he's actually pretty effective in them. And there's a seriousness to what he does in this that no one else is, like, taking the situation that way. Um I don't know what the fuck they're doing John with Rachel Krasinski McAdams. Is the best actor in it. Who? John Krasinski. Yeah, the smartest man alive. Who there's tells almost her exactly no how way. to kill I his I know friends. that he just came on obviously as a cameo, but there's no way a human being delivers things more woodenly than he does in this. I just so don't I love John I, like people, you know, saying that he needed to be uh, Mr. Fantastic or whatever, whatever his name is. Is like. What are we talking about just here? Just because he looks cool. I, I don't, again, I also want to just, you know, point out that you have Michael Stuhlbarg in this movie uh, for a, a pretty good scene, but like, great wig. Come on. Like, just get rid of that character <laughs> if you're not going to make him important. What'd you say? It's a great wig. Yeah, great wig. Side swift like, things. Like, Michael Stuhlbarg <laughs> is one of our, like, best character actors out there, you know, at, at apart from the one time he played the lead actor in a movie, like he is so good. And to have him in less than five minutes of this movie is so fucking silly. I, I just, what a, what a waste of a bunch of people that are definitely capable of a lot more in actor. Can't so. wait for Charlize Theron to add, be added into the mix. I'm going to give it a two though. It's not the worst acting I've ever seen in Marvel, but America Chavez is definitely pushing on that door. All right. Um, so we're going into spectacularity next. Um, and I feel like we've talked kind of alluded to a lot of the feelings about these movies throughout yeah. all the last categories. So I think we can kind of sum up how we're feeling and spectacularity specifically. We're talking about how engaged you are with the movie and what's pulling you out of it. Um, so Gabe, why don't you just kind of keep going and we'll do Dr. Strange. Um, I, yeah. I mean, 
you can figure out how engaging this movie is going to be for you in probably the first like 15 to 20 minutes. I, I, and, and for me personally, I can't imagine a less interesting and exciting way of starting this movie. Um, the CGI dream <laughs> sequence at the beginning is just not, it looks so not cool to me that I, I don't care. And then you go into this wedding sequence that could be really powerful emotionally. And, and you certainly get a good scene with Michael Stuhlbarg again. Like, but it's so immediately ruined by this really dumb CGI monster fight and uh, everyone acting very stupid about, uh, about him being a hero and running. There's a monster tearing up your fucking city. You're not just staring on the balcony. And also, why does Rachel McAdams and her new husband like come out to the balcony after the fight <laughs> is already over? Like, what were they doing? Still talking to in Getting married. I, I don't. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they still um, went through with the, the wedding, dude. They only had the venue for so long. I did, yeah, exactly. I mean, I just got to say, for, for every interesting thing that Sam Raimi brings to this and for people to constantly say to me, when I was – like I was upset when I saw this movie because I just was <laughs> – I it pissed me off and I, it just didn't work for me across the board. But to afterwards – hear from people on sorry Layla that you're one of those people but like that Sam Raimi they're like well what it, what about what Sam Raimi brings to this there's like a dark level to this that is something that we haven't seen in Marvel I would say to you that there are more formulaic CGI monster battles in monsters just in general in this movie than there are in the typical Marvel movie outside of all of the um you know creatures that no one cares about that are in the big battles in Avengers movies. Like there are monsters at every turn and it's all fucking CGI. There are also mothers at every turn. There are, there are. <laughs> and that there, those are the real crazy ones. mothers. I also just like, there's a scene that could have been so fucking good to me, which is the battle at Comertage. And I just don't even like it at all visually. And I especially don't like that. They just, for no reason, one of the people at Comertage is like a yak or whatever. Um, yeah. And he's a minotaur. He's a minotaur. And I'm like, why? Okay. Like, you guys didn't know that much about the multiverse before this. Where did you pluck him from? Dude, yeah, I didn't know you weren't down with minotaurs. No, I'm fucking out on it. But I just... <laughs> I, I think that this movie takes all of Marvel's worst impulses... And drowns out what I do think is a an interesting story with good actors and a director that can normally, you know, at at least entertain and and awe. And that's so unfortunate because this was it wasn't the Eternals that did this to me. It was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that finally made me say, "Oh, you know what? I think we could do a little bit less uh, Marvel for the next few years because." This I, I'm finally starting to see what people fucking hate about this franchise. Um, I, 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 again, I, it's Marvel though, so like I have to be at least like somewhat into it. So I'm like at a two out of seven in terms of engagement. I mean, I'll, I'll oh, wow. watch the whole thing, but it was painful to rewatch. I wasn't expecting that. Okay, Kellen, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, uh, Going into this bit of bit of a Marvel freak, I love watching these movies. I love watching them with friends. I love talking to friends about them and coming up with theories. Watching the, 
YouTube videos. Um, we should talk about it sometime. No, 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 I'm good. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, but <laughs> it wasn't until I watched uh, Moonlight, or not Moonlight, Moonlight. <laughs> Moonlight? Oh, wow. Wait, Moonlight isn't a Marvel property? No. <laughs> um, That's really when it clicked. Who is yeah. you, Chiron? <laughs> I am Captain Chiron. Uh, when I watched Moon Knight and I finished it, my friend was like, man, that was awful, wasn't it? And I said, oh, no, I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't really think it was awful. That I started, it, there, was, there was like the Marvel fracture that I don't know that I can even engage with these movies beyond like the thin utility that they serve that is like, I, I want to have a fun time. And I usually have kind of a fun time that I, I've, I'm like unable to actually engage with them as... Uh, movies um and i might as well be taking this grief out on uh thor love and thunder but i could do it here but um yeah but at least that movie's like an hour and a half at least it's an hour and a half (laughs) um at least there's that i'm only engaged in these so far as like it ties to the larger universe but the actual act of watching this a second time was so punishing that the idea of watching it a third time for this podcast i think gave me like a hemorrhoid it (laughs) there's 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 nothing about watching it that extends beyond just i am excited for the next the next movie to come out or i'm excited to talk to people about it the actual watching of it is i don't know there's so so much of the movies just dedicated to exposition that is meant to push forward a narrative that like the whole um, um illuminati scene which felt like it was sort of illuminati yeah. scene <laughs> there it is yeah it's it i, I guess i <laughs> guess the design so of it was that it was supposed to communicate how strong the scarlet witch was which we already knew or mm-hmm. it was maybe trying to communicate that there are doctor strange variants that uh, have ill intentions, but I don't know, scrap that and just actually develop your like female lead and make her not like a one dimensional, like wooden character. It seems it's the movie starts to lose its characters in service to the larger picture. And so the actual act of like watching it, investing yourself in these characters, it becomes like punishing because it feels like they care less about the characters, more like the John Krasinski, the Luma Wadi. It's yeah, it's, I don't know. They don't, they don't feel like they there's actually enough contained. They don't care about the characters enough in the movies anymore than they do about just developing this larger thing. So I don't know. I keep giving ones, but I feel like it's a one. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's your prerogative. I, it's so uh, tough not having Layla as one of the <laughs> voters in this because we do need like it, it. Despite you probably wouldn't give it like really high scores, but we do need a surrogate. For the audience and maybe i uh, mean like I, i'm gonna give yeah. it a five are you yeah like, are you being serious oh thank yeah, you, you i'm 100 percent serious go. i don't dislike watching this movie i i very much see through it um much like you could see through john krasinski's wife hopefully emily blunt in that universe's character the invisible girl yeah uh, I see through it. I'm hoping that it, his wife is Paul Giamatti, but <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping so that Paul Giamatti is the invisible woman. Yeah, and that John Krasinski is Jackie Chan. Mm. Yeah, 100%. oh, that came full circle. Yeah, right. I I don't dislike watching the movie. I see through it. I get. I I know. I know what you're doing, Marvel. I know that you open the door to let us just be like. Yes, now there are multiple Captain Americas, and they could be even ladies. I get it. 
but it's still fun. Like it's still fun for me to watch Marvel movies. I don't, I'm not taken out probably definitely because there's a bajillion other movies before this that make me want to watch it. I'm still not taken out. The only time I'm taken out is literally I'm going to knock it two points just for the stupid Aluma Wadi line. The rest of the movie, honestly, I could, I could, I didn't mind rewatching it. I don't entirely hate the stupid music fight scene. It's very stupid, but <laughs> I don't like a hundred percent hate it. I don't hate watching this movie. I didn't hate rewatching it. I almost liked it better the second time than the first time I watched it. I just also think that all of the other things I've said stand, but I can separate myself from those critiques in order to enjoy this movie. Dang. And I do. I don't want to rewatch it again anytime <laughs> soon, but I would rewatch it in the future if it meant, you know, that I could hang with my boys or something and watch it. Um, oh, well, this that, is Nick. where we part ways as friends. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Wait, so you took two points off for the Illumawati, so that means it was a seven before that line? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, Kellen, it's, it's called important a joke. distinguishment. Mm. All right, oh, let's oh. move on oh, from Doctor Strange, mm. please. Um, and let's go on to everything, everywhere, all at once, spectacularity. Uh, <laughs> Gabe, you're fist pumping. Why don't you go? Um, hmm. This movie is, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but th- because there's so much intention so behind this movie, <laughs> there's, it's, it's engaging at every turn. And yeah. I can only say, and, and I, I was so hooked the first two times because I, I got to see it twice in theaters and I wish I could see it a thousand more times in theaters. I, I just, there, there's not a missed opportunity in this movie and I guess I can only like talk about, you know, how I felt this third time watching in that the thing that really hooked me this time. And I, I thought it was, again, I'm going to look for these visual cues is like I the score of this movie is so remarkable and keeps you in. And there are moments where you don't even realize that there's a score happening that's keeping you alert to things that are happening. Um. I love how it sets the tone and stakes and the dynamic just in the first scenes. Um, It perfectly ebbs and flows with emotion in a scene without sounding like, you know, like a, and then goes into a different thing. It's like, it's so cleverly done. And I think it's going to be the, this movie is going to be nominated for almost everything. And I, I actually have a feeling that like score could be the most overlooked part of it. And it's so important for how you watch it. Um, I think that the best part for me about staying engaged on rewatches is that the humor still is so funny to me and it'll be different things that I notice each time. So I I know that I'm expecting certain jokes and they're not going to be as funny as they are, you know, the first time. Like as crass as it is, the moment where they're fighting to um, stick the uh, phallic-shaped uh, award, award in their yeah. ass, and then seeing a guy jump from like out of the room onto it is is really funny. But you're not gonna like th- that the first time you see that. That's very funny because you're not expecting it. Um, 
but just little moments this time, like that that same guy when uh, when Kiwi Kwan is beating up everyone with a uh, uh, fanny, fanny pack, pack. Yeah. and then he goes, "Oh no, Craig! Oh fuck!" And then yeah. just gets hit in the yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. I died of laughter. I think every moment <laughs> that they do a verse a jumping port is just like so creative having mm-hmm. the fucking snot that you see at the beginning of the movie with the with the dad um be used later to wipe the snot and then stick it in his mouth mm-hmm. is fucking hilarious there's not like a missed opportunity there um i just how random those things are is like they created every possible scenario where you can't really guess what they're about to do next um I, Kellen is going to hate this, but the part with the dog flying off the leash is like one of the <laughs> funniest moments to me. Um, and, and if I just gave any, uh, any sequence that I didn't really like think about when I, you know, the first two times, I really just think the whole, um, smoke fight in the office, like when they bring in the smoke and she's holding her breath and it's going, to the universe where she's singing, but then it's also going to the universe where she's like one of those people that has like the signs, uh, advertising like a storefront on the outside is so well handled and so cool for like, I have a martial arts background and I, I loved watching a lot of early Jackie Chan movies and a lot of, uh, Wuxia movies. And, it's so fucking cool to see in this movie and to have real choreographers doing it, um, including the main actors. So this is a seven out of seven. And I didn't even touch on any of the emotional things. All right. Kellen, do you want to touch on the emotional things? Why don't you go? I would love to touch on the emotional things. <laughs> I think I think when I'm most in completely engaged in a film is when I'm entirely unaware of like the filmic elements of the film. I'm not thinking about, oh, this is a metaphor for something or like, that was an interesting performance, but the first time that I saw this, I was just completely locked in my seat, feeling the film very intensely. And then when I left the theater, some, sometimes I feel like when I when I start trying to introduce, like, I wonder if that was a metaphor, the film starts to, starts to die a little bit. And when a film becomes like a metaphor vehicle, it I don't know, it, those, those, I guess it's just aren't the films that I enjoy, which is why I sometimes don't like Christopher Nolan's films. But I think that, this film does reward the kind of repeated viewing because I think that eventually when it's when when I drop just the strict feeling of it, what is happening is the yeah, the emotional elements are so I don't know, it's they're simultaneously complex but also just so simple. I think it's just being an active participant in one's life and being present with the people that you love is an incredibly powerful way to navigate life and it's I don't know that necessarily being empathetic towards a tax agent is a cure to how the IRS abuses immigrants, but that aside, I think that, yeah, the film, the, the spectacularity is a, is a seven for me. I don't know that the humor of the film always hit. I don't know that the visuals always hit, but I don't think that great films have to meet me at every intersection. I think that the best thing I can ask for, and I know Gabe hates this because I had this experience with the Fablemans, is sometimes beyond my better judgment, I don't know that there's even things about the films that I am aware that I like or not, but that I just feel really intensely. And that's 
I don't know. That's my hope watching every movie is that I can really feel it. I know that when, once I start thinking about the film is when it kind of gets a little boring. But this one I felt intensely and I couldn't wait to take my girlfriend to it because then I could sit there like a vulture and just stare at her face and be like, aren't you oh, yeah. feeling Aren't you feeling what I'm feeling? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely sentiment. I love that. And I don't hate you, by the way, for your Fableman take. I'm more... Um, I, I I'm envious that you felt that way about those about that movie and that family, <laughs> um, but I also I, I just just on that last point that you said like I um, seeing it with different people and seeing how people react like uh, Alexa won't rewatch it because she found it to be more sad like the balance was more sad than funny for her it's like it was like deeply. Uh, intense what what happens in it so um i think that it's it really can be emotionally drawing for anyone whether that be funny or sad yeah nicholas you want to finish that off there there isn't anything in the movie that takes me out of the movie enough to knock it a point i would recommend it to anybody to watch it if they if i don't know that they'll um they'll appreciate it i might offer to watch it with them so that i can i can stare at them like a vulture and understand whether or not they what parts they do or do not um resonate with because i think that like kellen said the the like general mm, theme of this movie if you miss it and you don't resonate with it, then that's that sucks for you uh, <laughs> because it's it's very simple and it's very powerful, and the way that it is fed to you is um at the very least endlessly entertaining in in multiple different ways, so I give it a seven fabulous all right, so we're going on to our last category here um which you know, legacy kind of difficult with these films a tiny bit because they're still pretty, they're very recent and they're very new. We can talk about kind of how they were received, um, but we don't really know long term how they're going to play out. But why don't we stay with everything everywhere all at once? Kellen, what do you feel the legacy of this movie is? I mean, it's so massively popular and it's even polarizing. And I think even the folks who seem to have some strong dislike to it. There's such, there's such a, an intense sincerity behind people's like and dislike to it that I see, I mean, I don't really, I don't really pay much mind to awards, uh, but it seems like it's primed up maybe to win a bunch of them, especially the Oscars. Uh, it already has won like a, so many awards. It's yeah. Currently the highest. Yeah. Highest one so far. Yeah. I think this is going to be sort of like a parasite in that it's, I think a lot of people are going to turn their attention to the Daniels. I think they're probably going to get sort of a blank check after this. I think they're going to be in our lives for a long time. Uh, they're attached to the Russo Brothers production studio, so I I'm, have a hard time imagining they're going to have any difficulties getting whatever projects they want made made. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's still so new, but it's like it's it dominated Letterboxd. It was the number one film on there for a while, which seems kind of crazy a bit much but i don't know maybe not maybe it's i don't know people seem to be responding to it in a really intensely 
sincere way that I don't know when I see that amount of sincerity behind something it's hard not to see it sticking around for a long time so a six just be I would give it a seven but a six just because it's so new yeah that's fair and I think sincere is like an absolutely great term to describe how people feel about this movie um Gabe you want to go yeah I it's really tough for me not to give it a seven because of how much of a success story this is um for the Daniels to get this kind of uh, attention and platform for these actors who have been underappreciated in American cinema and, and for them to reshape their entire careers and the, the conversation around their careers for people that are in that needed inspiration to make, you know, ballsy movies. um, This is going to be huge. I mean, it made, like five to six times its budget. Uh, it was more interesting and more creative and more exciting than anything Marvel has made, at least in, you know, the last like four to five years. Um, it's, you know, regardless of whether it wins best picture or not, and I'm having trouble understanding why it wouldn't, it's stayed in the conversation this long and it's not going away. And it doesn't need a sequel to have that kind of power. And I think that's the number one thing that they're going to have on their legacy is like, we made this incredible sci-fi action family drama comedy that doesn't need to be replicated. We don't need to carry this on. We did everything we needed to in this and you, Marvel, you could have your fucking 50-plus movies since the, since the release of this, but it's not going to be... Those individual movies are going to be drowned out, whereas this is just going to stand on its own. So um, I have to give it a 7, and I, and I hope that it remains this popular thing and that it just, like, inspire... It, like, I just hope people keep watching it and new people watch it that haven't seen it. Um, I, I can't praise a movie higher and there's a lot of people out there that can't really raise, um, praise a movie higher. So seven. All right, Nick, why don't you take us into legacy for this and then move us into Dr. Strange when you're done. You got it. I don't know, like, you know, I, you don't know what, like the future, like Kellen said, so I'll, I'll probably cap it at six just because I don't know, maybe it does become forgotten. Maybe it doesn't win. You know the Oscars, maybe, maybe that's its legacy that it's snubbed. Who, who really knows? But it's hard to think of a movie that has more integrity, that is more sort of genuine. Um, at least a movie that is as popular and and uh, pervasive as this one is. Um, so I hope it. You know, I I hope it it's creates a uh you know a door for more movies like that to walk through but uh you, you don't know i think that there's also you know there are some people that just it doesn't jive with i don't understand why not but um jimmy it's <laughs> <laughs> but you know i i've i don't know i i have nothing but good things to say about it but you can't i guess i don't want to try to predict and i haven't before on the, the podcast like that so that is a very very high score as i look at that uh <laughs> talk about not high score though um 
this is the the multiverse of madness is just forgotten immediately. No one cares. I don't think anyone will care in the future. It was a vehicle to move Wanda into whatever sort of stasis they put her in if she's dead or whatever's going on or going to be resurrected. I mean, whatever. Maybe she's zombie Wanda next time we see her. Who knows? It was just a it was a vehicle to move the multiverse into like check out what we could do. We could bring back anybody we wanted. We could have Denzel Washington play Nick Fury next time. Who knows? It just doesn't um it doesn't have any of the integrity that the movie we compared it to tonight does and I just don't think people will care if it's anybody's favorite Marvel movie. I want to meet them just so I can preserve them in like some sort of glass case and, and showcase them in a, be like a weird circus of freaks because that doesn't make okay. any sense. All right. I give it um, a, like a three. Okay. okay. Kellen, what do you give Dr. Strange? I'm also thinking about enclosing people in a glass case to showcase them as freaks. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to sound so like cynical. and like, I'm like a Marvel hater. I think that my like impassioned distaste for this comes from like how, disappointed i am in the sort of latter part of this phase and that i i love watching marvel films i did have fun the first time i watched this maybe retroactively i'll give the spectacularity a two second time watching it without friends it's just it's it's they're sort of hard to endure and so the mcu will be the legacy of the mcu will exist for as long as media exists and as long as time is uh but the legacy of each film anymore feels like it's sort of just the puzzle piece it serves in the larger MCU universe. Uh, and so the legacy of this one, yeah, I don't know that it did anything. It developed anything with the multiverse that wasn't already developed with Loki or maybe with no way home. I think that largely the reaction that it's gotten with the kind of disservice it did to the Scarlet Witch has kind of tarnished its legacy a little bit. So I, I don't know. I'm not really sure how to rate this one. I think that, in the span of all the films, it's uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'd give it a, a two or three. Two. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I mean, you could look at the stats and stuff, and it, it's kind of wild that this movie made you know almost a billion dollars um, already. And but the the reviews and by everyone are are pretty you know mellow. Like no one is jumping out and saying that this movie like is changing Marvel. Even big Raimi heads are not going to like go out of their way to say, Oh, I love this so much more than Spider-Man two or something, you know, like there's, there's not a lot in this for its legacy. And when you get to the end of this movie, I had all these questions of, you know, the, is the third eye opening on his forehead interesting to anyone? Did that excite <laughs> anyone as the final moment? Like, does anyone want to see more America Chavez? Any, anyone? You can all raise your hands. Does this at all make us want to see more in this world? Are we done with Doctor Strange now? Are we done with anything in Wanda's world? Probably. Like, how does the Charlie's their own you know, uh, uh, little teaser thing, push anything forward. How did this movie push anything forward in this universe? 
And I actually wonder if this movie would make the same amount of money if it came out now because we've been fooled a little bit too much with Marvel now. Whereas when it came out, the only one that had really like kind of failed a bit was the Eternals. And that was such a like, you know, that was, uh, everyone had to like really, uh, there, there was no foundation for that. And there wasn't much building up to that. And you didn't have, you know, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home right before, um, like we did with this. And you weren't starved for a movie uh, around that time uh, from MCU. So I, I just, um, I, I, I think Nick is right. I think it's already forgotten. I think it's not ultimately important. And I think they fucked up a lot that was interesting about these characters. And it's just sad. And then it's pretty low on my list. I can't imagine it's high on anyone's. If I met someone that was like, Doctor Strange in the multi Would you put them in a glass the case and showcase them in some sort of circus as if I, they were a freak? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah. Me too. So, wow. I don't know. Fucking two. Interesting. Sorry. I will play devil's two. advocate just because I think I'm one of the only people that would potentially have fought you guys on a couple of these categories. I will say that, like, regardless of... I feel like all three of you talked a lot about what this means for the characters moving forward. But I think when we're just talking about the legacy of the movie itself, regardless of positive or negative, this movie lives within a universe that's always going to be talked about. And this movie is not going to be forgotten at any point. It's always going to be referenced. Um, And I also think it's important to acknowledge, like when we're comparing these two movies, movies like Dr. Strange, like young generations watched this movie. So like, they're going to remember this movie and they're going to think about this movie and carry this movie. Um, I don't think like we could necessarily say that we know a bunch of young kids watched everything everywhere all at once. Um, So I do think that like in the sense of longevity, Dr. Strange is going to be talked about for a long time. And I think it also sparked a lot more conversation and debate than a lot of other Marvel movies did simply because of how different they tried to take it, how poor it was executed, et cetera. Like bad conversation, still conversation. I also think it's important to acknowledge that it had an 85% audience score. Like it's not rated as like one of those worst movies. That's like 30% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Um, so there are people that like enjoy having conversations about it to shout out to those humans. Um, so I think even like legacy would have been one of those categories. I think I would have given it a higher score simply because even though it was executed very poorly, it's going to have like a long-term legacy regardless of whether we like it or not. Um, so I'll finish that there. Um, we did it guys. I mean, a man called Otto has like a 97%. But, uh, anyways, Oh, I mean, by the way, I didn't I know, know that, that everything is. everywhere all at once was rated R. I, I feel like they could either. have reached even more audiences with the PG-13 thing, but whatever. I think it's because they called Jenny Slate Big Nose, which is what her character's name is on IMDb also, by the way. Oh, I thought they switched it. No, nope, there's a whole there. trivia thing about how, oh, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was the score, Nick? Well, 101 to 32. Oh, pretty close. So that's what do you mean? pretty yeah. big divide. Um, I do, I do agree with Layla though. You I, know, I think your not, point, huh? I think your point about how you can like, like it's entertaining to you 
makes i mean i i'm sure there was like no one who came out of the movie and was like pissed off like i was yeah i mean if you're comparing it to other marvel movies maybe it's the a lower legacy score but all movies in general you know i think more people like really disliked moon knight than people disliked multiverse of madness garbage yeah. yeah, so do you guys have any recommendations for other movies that have to do with the multiverse that you think the world should know about? Oh, I just thought of one, uh, Kellen. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but The One yeah. with Jet Li. That was the one I was oh, going to yeah. say. The I actually had a recommendation, yeah. Damn. I was thinking about it, though. I mean, that movie's so serious that I'm sure it's like very laughable to watch now, but it is fucking cool. Dude, yeah, I was like very into that as a child. I have ones that are that not awesome. like the multiverse type stuff. So I don't know. If you have multiverse things, Kellen, feel free to. I strictly have ones those. that are not multiverse. I apologize. I, I, oh, I, please I, give I go all rec- uh, any and all recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I just recommend that everyone look up the Daniels and, and see everything they've made on YouTube because they have some short films that are so fucking funny. Uh, and so well made. Pockets and puppets are probably my favorite. But even if you just look at their music videos, like the turn down for what music videos iconic. The tongues by Joy Wave, very good. Um, if you want to see more like really cool choreography and like martial arts sequences, I, I definitely recommend going back to the original Super Cop with um, Jackie Chan and uh, Michelle Yeoh. Um, and I, I love the Raid Redemption. And I will give you one Sam Raimi movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. And that is Darkman. That movie is preposterously silly. It is wild that anyone ever made it. If you've ever wanted to see an early Liam Neeson role and you're like, hmm, I wonder what he acted like when he was a little bit younger. Just watch Darkman. Darkman, I don't know how it's not talked about more. It should be an absolute classic. Uh, you're not going to regret it. It's it's so fucking absurd. Kellen, did you have recommendations? <laughs> yeah, I have a few. Um, if folks like films that are dedicated to people being present in their lives, there's a film called Patterson by Jim Jarmusch. It's one of my favorite movies of all time that is sort of dedicated to the idea that and being present and an active participate in one's life is sort of how life becomes art. Um, another film that came out this year that's also dedicated to, I think, somebody running up against maybe the consequences of their decision is The Worst Person in the World by Lars Van Trier, which oh, is yeah. incredible. Um, there's also a Japanese movie called Akiru by Akira Kurosawa that is about a person sort of towards the end of their life kind of facing the consequences of, you know, potential lives not lived. Um, and but not the but not the English remake with Bill Nye. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's good. Ch- you know, check it out because yeah. going to the movie theaters is good. And for Sam Raimi, I mean, if people like the sort of the zany parts of the movie, his Evil Dead movies, you know, the especially Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness, those are a lot of fun and weird. But if you like maybe the more kind of sinister undertone, he has a movie called The Simple Plan with Billy Bob Thornton and Bill Paxton. That's a really incredible kind mm-hmm. of thriller. Um, yeah, all those. 
Hell Great. yeah. Awesome. Um, that was fabulous. Kellen, thank you for joining us. That was really yeah, fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Thank Kellen. you for all your awesome takes. Um, Gabe, do you want to plug us? And also, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we have a plan yet, but we will let you all know what our next episode is going to be and when it will be soon. <laughs> on. That's a, that's a fucking good plug. Uh, on Instagram. Uh, go and follow us. Uh, Instagram.com slash FacingOffPod. Just look up FacingOffPod. You could send us email recommendations at FacingOffPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and we will have Kellen back. He has a series of ideas that we will do, but... Uh, we'll have to uh, tease those out slowly. Kellen, we loved having you. Um, thank you for your time, brother. Um, thank Nick. you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Even this pinky can be kung fu. <laughs> <laughs>